How do you measure yourself with other golfers? By height. It's a very, very special honor. I'm Paula Creamer, and you're listening. Well, we're waiting. Hi, this is Martin Cove, a.k.a. John Kreese from Cobra Kai, and you're listening to Golf Talk Live. Let the word go out from here across the land. Let Daddy Noonan uh, approve. Hey, this is Shooter McGavin. You're listening to the 19th Hole Podcast. And welcome, folks, to Golf Talk Live's 19th Hole. I am Alan DePew, your host, and as always, joined by our panel, sitting to my left, Mr. Andy Hydorn. Hello, Andy. Back in town. <laughs> Back to in roll. town. Boston Bob Baldessari, how are you? Four. Four left. <laughs> Christian Nazamus. British podcaster in golf. You were waiting for it, weren't you? What's up, bros? And unfortunately, uh, Brendan Elliott not able to join us, but we do have a special guest later in the show. Guys, all right, we got a lot of stuff to pack in. We got so much stuff to pack in with the PGA show. It's going to cover the next two weeks. It may go three weeks. I got Tony's top 10, okay? it. He's got so much such good vendors that he talked to while at the show that we're going to actually push that to next week. This week we got to talk about we got Andy. I know you want to probably talk about what happened over in Dubai, but I want to talk about the PGA show. Oh God, he's leaning in. I want to talk about the PGA show because tell me if I'm wrong, guys. I've never had energy like that at the PGA show probably in the last decade. It was good energy, great energy. It was good to see the energy back after the pandemic years. It might be. One of the more energetic shows since the Nitro Girls were walking around handing out golf balls in the late nineties. I don't know the Bullet, the Bullet Girls. The bullet, no, that was Bullet. That was Bullet, bullet Girls. Right. Bullet Christian, girls. this is before your time. Yeah. No, it was, it was definitely, uh, it was definitely a good show. I, I think mean, that at, at the Sports Box booth, Andy, did you have? I mean, do you have good traffic? We had a ton of traffic. I think. I think. In general, we had a really good show for Sportsbox, and but I think the overall kind of temperature at the show was was really good, and it was buzzing for sure. Um, stop talking about buzzing. Uh, maybe that's a bad bad choice. Let's let's just talk about my horrible golf game for one moment because I actually I want to bring this in really early. Um, I got out to play some golf. Andy will tell you I need to. Um, Andy put me as an avatar. If you've been following our social media, there's an avatar of my golf swing on there. No, I'm I'm hitting not hitting a wedge. Looks an awful <laughs> lot like John Rom. I'm just saying. I know, eerily similar. Eerily, but I'll tell you what. I played Monday. I caught up with Steve Mays and Mike, our favorite golf course owner, Mike Armel. Both, all three of us played a lot of golf together. We all worked together. And he had uh, Brennan Johnson join us. So I'm, I picked up a little interview piece. Let's do that now with those guys. And then we're going to come back because I want to talk, I want to talk more about the, the, the golf show. Joining us now, he's been on the show many times, Steve Mays, Founders Group International. And we're out at the happiest place on turf. Stevie, what's going on? How you been? I've been great. Yeah, it's a great day of golf today. You, me, Mike Armel, our golf course owner, been on the show a number of times also, and uh, Brandon Johnson, Arnold Palmer Design. 
pretty good foursome. Yeah, it was a good fun. It was a good foursome. It was a lot of fun. It's always fun to play with an architect too. To try. And I was in the cart with him today, so it's always fun riding around and listening to him talk about the different aspects of the golf course through a different lens than I well, typically look. I, I I enjoyed his insight, on, and when I did find a bunker, he told me he would never put it there. So that was always uh, <laughs> that's exactly right. And and, and he, he was masterful with his wedges. I mean, that was unbelievable. But yeah, uh, he had a great short game. Yes, he did. But you know what? We're down here at the PGA show, and this week's show is going to be a little bit unusual because we're doing all these segments, these little clips. And uh, this one in particular was really cool because, as we've said in the past, you and I have known each other way back to our high school days. That's right. And Mike was actually one of the assistant golf pros at that same club. Isn't that what the PGA show, one of the unique things about the PGA show and the National Golf Course Owners Show is it brings together all these people that you haven't seen for such a long time. Yeah, I mean, the golf business, although it's a big business, it still is a small business, a really tight-knit group. And we were talking about it today when we were playing golf, you know, the, the shared experiences we had at golf courses really Unbelievable, us. right? It's still we carried it to this day, and the lessons we learned at that golf shop and the lessons we learned, learned from our golf pro, Mike uh, Wynn, we still carry with us today, which is amazing. That's what makes uh, that place uh, evergreen so special and the group of people that we had there in the golf industry in general. It was our own little caddyshack. That's exactly right. <laughs> I think that's how we described it, right? Yes, that's exactly right. And, and I think I, I, will, I will actually finally admit, we have, I've asked the question before, did you beat me? Or in the rematch of our high school, you won today. Yeah, I, th- I think I took the title today. You did. You did. It was sad. It was a sad <laughs> moment. But, uh, hey, let's talk about something really good. Get me off of that. How's things going in Myrtle Beach? You guys control, have 21 golf courses down there. You're the biggest guy on, on the strand. Um, have you seen the bounce back from from COVID? I mean, we're a couple of years removed from the, the height of that. I know that was that hurt the uh, destination golf for a while. Yeah. What are you seeing? Give us a little uh, grand strand report. Well, no, everything's going. To, you know, as far as the golf business at the beach, it's going great. You know, a lot of people coming down and play. And the fun thing that's happening now. I mean, I've been in that. I've been in Myrtle Beach for a long time. And you know, we you know in the '80s and '90s and uh, into the 2000s, you know, we had all these new golf courses open, new golf courses open, and then it all stopped as the golf industry slowed so it's a fun time to be back in Myrtle Beach I mean we're we're, we're did three golf course renovations this year and did bunkers and greens so we're constantly improving the product we'll do we've got a couple more we're going to announce that we're going to do some renovation work on in 2023 that's one of the reasons I was with Brandon was with us today for a project we're looking to do in 2024 so um, that's what's great about if you haven't been to Myrtle Beach a while you come down and see all all the improvements that have been made uh, in the golf course so it's a fun time which which one are you the most proud of i don't know uh, i'd say grand dunes right now grand dunes we grand, just I've, finished. I've heard great things i haven't been down yet but i've heard great things yeah, about we it. just finished and it's such a great golf course and it just opened early to uh, 2000 2001 uh but the great thing about that golf course it's a roger rollwood design which is robert trent jones uh, kind of lineage and you know, he did a great job. It's a big golf course. They call it Grand Dunes. The tees are big. The fairways are big. The bunkers are big. The greens are big. And it had kind of lost that a little bit. It was still always a great golf course. So we 
we brought back uh, uh, the architect John Harvey had boots on the ground we built it you know he, he rebuilt the bunkers and brought they had these great lacy edges that are difficult to maintain but they look beautiful and and all the tee boxes are back to the original size of green I think we increased them by 25 traveling golfer himself Tony Leodora says best driving range and practice facility on the Grand Strand hey and it is it's got a great <laughs> it's got a great one it's got a great and one. the granddaddy just had uh, some work done on it yep that's exactly right did that last year so and it looks beautiful we got water all overseed right now we have zoysia bunkers grass around the bunker so it looks magnificent right now stevie appreciate always great to connect at, at all these uh venues these uh golf shows uh i'm gonna go home now and work on my golf game because i have to take i have to come on man stop now (laughs) all right appreciate you coming on for a few minutes all right thanks alan now let me turn around here to my other playing partner my new friend and golf course architect brandon johnson arnold palmer arnold palmer design had to get it out of there my friend out here at the disney palm just got done playing with Steve, who's hot, Mays, a founders group. Mike Armel, our longtime friend from uh, uh, Boca Greens uh, Country Club. And you, sir, yeah, well, you were our fourth. Thanks for letting me be the fourth and crash the party. <laughs> <laughs> Was it a party? Was it a train wreck? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of laughs. Yeah, I don't know who was taking pictures of egrets. I don't know. I don't understand what <laughs> was going on. You? Yeah, it was me. <laughs> I got a picture of a palm tree, also. <laughs> hey, so the, anyway, the, well, let's let's talk golf here. Yeah. Golf business is changing. You see it. You're on the front end. We talked about it all day today out on the golf course. What are you seeing for the changing in the game? Alternative facilities, renovations. Give us a little bit of a blurb on to how you're seeing the game change since the COVID bump. A lot more participation, that's for sure. People are out in troves. Uh, I think the ability to work from home and kind of call the shots on your schedule allows people to get out either early in the morning, late in the days. So you're seeing a lot more participation. Uh, people are getting that golf bug or, or feeding the golf bug, if you will. Right. Um, on the design side and facility development, yeah, the alternate facilities are hot and they're a lot of fun. And I think finally the industry and the player are kind of coming together saying, hey, we don't have to do it the way it's been done for, you know, a hundred some odd years. Let's change this thing up. And really take some risks and, and do something different the, the the longtime friend of our show and uh, and i uh, don ray the vice president of the pga he likes to use the term gamification and can you see i mean i've said for years this is about we're not in the golf business we're in the entertainment business yeah and you've got to be seeing that i mean firsthand some of your designs are probably i mean you've driven drafted some really cool stuff and then never got off the table because no people aren't ready to go there People are probably ready to go there now. Yeah, yeah, we hope so. I think the right site, the right client. Right. Uh, yeah, we're pitching ideas uh, to kind of think out of the box a little bit and, uh, and show some people something that maybe hasn't been done or it's been done you're doing it a different way. Right, right. So more importantly, our round of golf today, you know, and I think that's the beauty of the golf show. Let's talk about the beauty of the golf show. In the con- it's, it's bringing together, I mean, three of us have known each other for years, Steve, Mike, and I. You come into the group, fit in perfectly, by the way. Thanks. In a hell of a short game, by the way. Um, <laughs> didn't, I needed it. Didn't hit any greens. Dude, you got it up and down from everywhere. <laughs> um, but, I mean, isn't that the cool part, the networking of, the, of, the, of this one week in January every year? 
It is. I mean, I think the pandemic having shut everything down. Right. Um, yes, the golf industry boomed and it continued on and people were very successful, but you missed that human connection. I mean, that's what the game is about is getting outdoors. You know, we saw raccoons and deer today, but we're also alligator. Ha- yeah, alligator. I didn't get a picture of that. I didn't get a picture of the gator or the deer. I got a picture of an egret. <laughs> But yes, you're right. I mean, and it's the network. People, I think people are thriving. They're, they're, I've, there's a whole different energy this week down here than than in the last few years. Obviously, we're shut down yeah. for the, for 2020. But and obviously, I've seen your name and seen the emails. But to spend what was it four hours with you outdoors and laugh and talk, um, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> that was like a penal sentence for you, wasn't it? <laughs> And uh, let's just to, clar- to clarify, because I know he, he's going to be listening. Does Mike Armel hit it shorter than any man alive? <laughs> my partner, my partner, you got Stevie. He's hitting it long. You're hitting it long. Mike Armel can't hit it out of his shadow. I'll at least say he was down the middle most times. Well, that's because it doesn't generate enough club head speed. <laughs> All right, Brendan, pre- pre- appreciate you coming on, sharing a few minutes. Actually, would love to have you on because we love talking architects. Everybody's an armchair architect, right? Oh yeah. We would love to have you on some full time if uh, if your schedule permits. And uh, appreciate uh, catching up. Thanks. I look forward to it. All right. All right. General theme: golf show, PGA week, golf course owners conference. Bobby, it's it's all about reconnecting with uh, folks in the networking and the opportunities. And I think you heard that. Golf is back in Myrtle Beach. Brendan Elliott, or I mean, uh, uh, Brendan Johnson's talking about uh, doing a lot of new alternative golf courses. Um, just continue the continue those talking points about the uh, the, the show. Yeah, I think it's well. It's a social game. It's a social business. It's a game and a business built on relationships. You get trust factor. It's spending time together. It's stories. I mean, they just blend over, and it's just really neat to see uh, the show. I mean, it, it it in a good way it went from four days to three days, so there's a little contraction, but you still get a lot done. It's still a place of melting pot for the whole industry to be there. People like a Christian that looking at getting into the game uh, on the business side. People like me, you, and Andy and Brendan have been around a couple of years, just a Would couple. Would that be a shameless plug that Christian wants to break into the golf industry more well, than you just know, being the prettiest podcaster in golf? We're going to have a brother out here, and, you know, if anybody's interested, <clears throat> talented. Talented, even. Successful. Yes. Very worthy <laughs> of a good look. Yes. A good look, as in pretty. Yep. So before we – let's go to let's go to the uh, the real um, – the real thing that we need to talk about this. Andy, did I make any putts? You know, you you've been telling us for a while – that you know that's about that's about kind of the nucleus of your game it's all i got left it's all i got left but you know what you you showed up and then some all right christian i told you i was gonna wait to tell you and i'm watching the clock because i I, we're on a tight schedule this week with so much stuff going on i gotta get this in though and then we'll dive into it deeper with brendan next week i hit it a leaner on 16 andy tapped it in with his wedge Chipped it in. <laughs> 17, 18, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. 
Allen made every putt. <laughs> I made them all. Wow. And I'm telling you straight up, Chris Wagner and I were in the car together, just literally shaking our heads. <laughs> I mean, they were not all five footers. I mean, I'm telling you, there were some some tough, you know, 20 foot breakers that old AD was just center cutting everything. It was Duper it was, Duper was dialed in, boys. Pretty wow. amazing. That's incredible. I even dropped, I even dropped, <laughs> I dropped my putter, I think, the one time and just looked at our Mel like, come on, let's go. Pick it up. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> so this is this is true. I didn't hit a putt until the 17th hole of our scramble. <laughs> you normally should win. You should win the event then. Well, guess what? Well, well you know what? <laughs> we, we lost by seven and we got beat by a third of the field. Yep. So I don't need you to recount. That's that's a story for another day. That, yes, we'll we'll share that one another time. All right. So if my uh my stopwatch here is correct, boys, Christian, I'm gonna give you first shot. You've got six minutes to debate Rory versus <laughs> Patrick Reed. Andy's leaning in already. What do you got? Um, first off, I, I thought it was um you know, quite, uh, Andy's going to disagree with me on this. I know he is, but I thought it was pathetic on Rory's part personally. Um, and the reason for that is simple because I think Patrick is just trying, he's just doing something nice. He's walking up to Rory trying to just say hello, obviously granted. I understand the back end of it with what happened between Liv and the PGA, but it's just like Rory's comments afterwards. Like, Oh, I'm going to get sued for it. It was people thought it was funny. Yes, it was funny, but it's like, Every time this is going to happen moving forward, I, I just I don't want to hear it now. Every time a live golfer plays in a PGA event, personally, I'm I'm just kind of quite tired of hearing of it. I'm I'm going to jump in before Andy. He sued him and served him on Christmas Eve. Now I I know I know I know I'm just saying it's like I I I'm more I'm more excited to to look at the golf aspect of it, right? I'm I'm saying like I'm more excited to watch the tournament, not the drama that folds with it, right? And I knew damn well that once when Rory was in the final group and he won that putt, I knew there was going to be a comment coming after it. It kind of almost takes away from golf at the end of the day. I don't want this to like take away from the Masters coming up and the, and the um, other major events that happened this year. You know, at the end of the day, it was just it was childish on both parts. At the end of the day, I thought personally, I'm not siding with anybody. I just thought it was just like it was unnecessary drama, in my opinion, that shouldn't have even happened. So, all right, or Andy, lean in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I know if I were Rory, I would not have done what Rory did. But I don't fault him one bit for snubbing Patrick Reed. I don't. I, I, for the reason that Alan said. I mean, you know, and and it's not. Let's make a distinction. It's not every live player. It's Patrick Reed, and Patrick Reed is, you know, the one dropping lawsuits on everybody and um he I, I don't know this to be true but he's the only one or one of the only few that are still involved in any any of these lawsuits um so i think it's more about patrick than it's about anything else um and you know just just for good measure he happened to to be involved in another case of uh shady golf 
rules bending, perhaps. So uh, Bob, I agree. Bobby, we'll throw it over to you for the historical perspective. The Warren Commission had the magic bullet. Is this the magic palm tree? <laughs> <laughs> that is brilliant. Uh <laughs> Wow, I took took my breath away. Jeez. Uh, well, I mean, you know, I'm not defending anybody, but everything I read was they were volunteers and this and that, and they officials, and they zeroed in on what they thought was the right tree. And his ball was marked distinctive, and but you, he's just always going to be under that veil, no matter what he does. If he's got a two inch putt, something's going to happen. It's going to be out in the open. Um, you know, it's a shame. Uh, you know, the Rory thing, I don't know. I, I looked at that and I was at the time 50-50, like, you know, should he, you know, little kids looking up to him, what are the little kids going to do in the next junior tournaments if they don't like a kid? Is that too extrapolation of a crazy uh, something or other? But makes it interesting, doesn't it? It does. Christian, I cut you off. You were going to add something. No, I, I I agree. I agree with Andy at the end of the day. I mean, look, I'm not here to take Patrick Reed's side. He's one of my least favorite golfers. He's underneath Bryson DeChambeau on my hate list. Okay. <laughs> like I don't like Patrick Reed. I think he's a terrible golfer. First off, he's not good. He comes out of nowhere and says he's the best golfer in the world when he's clearly not. I can go out and beat him. First off, if I have a good day. All right. That's not a shameless plug. That's just a state fact. Well, and at the end of the day, just it just should not have happened if you want to be a man about it be a man about it own up to the fact on why you joined live in the first place and stop playing behind closed doors period period at the end of the day own up and be a man it's 2023 and stop again if you want to go up there and throw your little dinky little tea at rory go for it okay that doesn't prove anything at the end of the day what proves it is that you should let your sticks do the talking on the golf course and go out and beat rory when it actually matters and clearly he cannot beat rory period well, he was one 20 foot putt away from being in a playoff with him. Even if he won the playoff, though, Roy would have beat him. Guaranteed it. I would have put my life savings on it. Rory in a playoff format, especially when it comes to just head to head, that's a mental game, obviously. Huge mental game going up against Rory. He's the best player in the world for a reason. Clearly, Sounds, like Gallon. Sounds like Gallon would win the putting contest with Patrick. Damn, Skippy. I, my money's on, on Allen. I can tell you that much. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Andy, this is the perfect time for. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. <laughs> okay, we're we're gonna do a little. Don't be that guy. So, you missed this, haven't you? Yeah, I do. This is you know, it's a signature segment, right? But but Sam Ryder was was uh, kind of in the hunt in uh, San Diego. He was in the running. He was in the running. Um, wearing his joggers. Uh-huh. See what I did there? Yeah, you did. Um, but I thought it was hilarious that two people on social media were just blasting Sam Ryder for wearing joggers. And I'm not saying I love the look or don't like the look. I kind of like it. I think it's cool. Um, but John Daly... And Phil Mickelson, the two most unfashionable people in the game of golf, were giving Sam Ryder shit about his joggers, which I just think is is absolutely priceless. So, you know, look in the mirror and don't be that guy. <laughs> He's not the first to wear the mode, is he? No. 
Yeah, just and nor will he be the last. Yeah, I mean, a right. bunch of weren't. But Phil Mickelson, who's who's literally the worst dresser in professional golf, and John Daly is dresses like a clown. So those guys are the ones who are no, Santa Claus on Sam Riser, Sam Ryder. Yeah, come on. All right, Bobby, let's welcome in our guest. I want to turn it over to you. Okay, joining us on our show tonight, really special guests. Uh, I've known Alexa and Rick Pano for many, many years. First met them at the Reunion Resort in Florida at the Drive, Chip, and Putt Regional Championship. Uh, I remember this, Rick and Alexa, but I see Rick walking by with a Patriots hat on, and I said, i got to talk to you. And he goes, not now. <laughs> we have a turn, uh, an event to do. And um, I heard of Alexa, and uh, she, you know, a rising star already when you were younger. And uh, you proceeded to hit your first two drives out of the drive grid. And I thought, wow, that's a bummer. You piped the next one. I think you chipped in one of the three chip shots. You sipped them all, made a couple of long putts. And I said, that girl's going to go places. So she's uh, she got what it takes inside. But uh, welcome to the show. Great to have you with us. Thank you for Great. having Thank us. Thank you. Now, uh, the listeners may uh, remember Alexa's name from... Uh, uh, a film that some years ago, uh, the, the short game, you were featured in that. And that was part of the U.S. Kids Championship where you won five championships. That's tied for most ever. Uh, the list of Alexa's accomplishments, we could be here for the whole 20 minutes of our show and just take forever. But, I mean, it's amazing what you've done. Amazing to be so accomplished at a young age. Um, breaking barriers. At the short game, you made the comment, I want to be the first woman to play at Augusta National and lo and behold, if you didn't do it, <laughs> you were literally one of the, the, the first female, the youngest, to play in the Augusta National Women's Amateur uh, Championship there. Uh, just amazing work you've done. Youngest, age 13, to play in the LPGA Thornbeard Classic. Youngest at age 11 to play over in Japan at the LPGA Championship. Uh, Three-time national finalist to DCP. Played on six United States junior teams. I mean, it just goes on and on. Alexa, I mean, could you ever imagine what started just as a kid hitting balls with your dad that would come through all of this? Now you're on the LPGA Tour. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy to think that I've been doing this for so long. Um, I joke around with all my friends that I'm like the oldest. They all call me like the oldest junior golfer of all time. And that I was I've been competing in junior golf since like 1975, because like the people that I grew up playing with are like married with kids now. and. So it's kind of crazy how long I've been doing it and how much I was able to do and see throughout all my years. But um, yeah, I can't even imagine if you would have told me when I was five years old that I'd be on the LPGA tour now. I mean, just go ahead, Al. I was just going to say, so, so what's, obviously you've, you've qualified now for the LPGA. What's, what is the one thing that you're looking forward to? I guess the, this into this uh, upcoming season? Um, I think just the opportunity to compete. I turned professional knowing I was just going to have Epson Tour status. And so my main goal last year was to get onto the LPGA Tour. And when I missed out um, barely throughout the Epson Tour, I was pretty devastated. So to be able to go to Q Series, make it through and get the starts and the opportunity 
I'm just really excited to have accomplished that and to be able to do that this upcoming season. Now, forgive me. I got, I, I, I didn't look this up or have a chance before. Do you have full status at this point or. Um, basically full status. Yeah. So the okay. top 20 in Q series right. had what's full status on the LPGA and I came in 21st. So I should basically be getting into everything. It's just the, um, the first couple events they play in January and then they go to a couple in Asia um, are off of last year's rankings. But once we start getting into this year's priority list, I should be in basically everything. Excellent. And then and then do they reshuffle like they do on the men's tour a little bit? Do you, do you go through a, a certain portion of the season and then your status changes? Um, I believe so. I think there is a reshuffle. I think last year it was in at the Hawaiian event. Um, I'm not sure when it is, but if you play good in the reshuffle event, that basically sets you up for the rest of the year. Yeah, good. All right, Christian. Three old guys are all trying to ask uh, Alexa questions. You're 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 a younger golfer. Well, my question is just simple. Obviously, I, I love watching the tour, um, the LPGA tour. I guess who are you most excited to play with? Honestly, like if you had to pick a a woman to play with tomorrow, who who was like your go to? <laughs> um, probably Nelly or Jessica Corda. Um, yeah. I mean, Nelly is an amazing player, and I've gotten to play with Jessica a couple times and just practice rounds and stuff, and she's so fun, and she's very nice to me. But I mean, it's kind of weird to think that like growing the past few years watching Nelly and um even like my whole life kind of watching Jessica and being on the same tour of them is kind of like I don't think it'll I, I don't know it's a weird perspective that now I'm actually competing against them on the same tour week to week but um yeah. I think it would be pretty cool to get in a pairing with one of them yeah that's awesome I, I would I would imagine that it could it could tend to be you know, kind of a, a mixed emotions thing where you're in awe of somebody that you've you've watched play at such a high level, but you're right there with them. And somehow being able to push that aside and know that you can go out and beat anybody out there has to be something that that's, uh, you know, kind of a difficult thing to, to do. Yeah, I mean, I think in person, it's not really like being in awe of them because like they're just normal people doing the same thing you do. And I definitely wouldn't have turned professional if I didn't think I was good enough to be competing against them. So I think it's more just like seeing like I've grown up watching the LPGA Tour and now I'm like actually on it. It's definitely a different mentality and weird to think about, but I think I'll get comfortable once I get established, I guess. I'm sure you will. Hey, Rick, I wanted to uh, you know, bring you in a discussion. Um, known you a long time, and there's uh, little, there's probably the, the bigger misconception like, oh, well, you know, Rick, you know, the pushing, the pushing. But I know it's all Alexa. She's had incredible drive, incredible uh, commitment, reaching, reaching higher, higher. But, you know, for the parents out there listening, they have some talented younger youth golfers. What can you share with them, things that you saw that were helping out for Alexa? Well, first of all, as far as golf, um, Alexa's probably made every decision uh, involving her golf career since she was 13. Um, you know, she wanted to change her instructor back at 13. She did. 
um, anything we've ever done, uh, I run it by her before, you know, we schedule or, or do anything like that. Um, as far as younger players, I'll still say the most important thing you can do is find the right instructor. That's very, very difficult. And, you know, her and I were watching a, a junior get taught about a month ago. Parents probably paid $200 for a lesson. That instructor talked for 50 minutes out of the 60. The kid wow. did nothing except for listen. So um, you have to find the right person that communicates and doesn't complicate. And that's very hard to do. Yeah, it's a great point. And there's different levels of that these days. It's expanded for the fitness, the mental side, certainly the instruction side. And now you've got some of the best that are out there. I know personally some friends that that have helped you. And I mean, it is a great point. Um, there's a young girl on our golf staff at my club, Chloe Seabuck. <clears throat> She's, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> one of the best young uh, girl golfers. She's uh, going in her senior year in high school. She's got college scholarships coming and I see her and I just, I knew coming on tonight, I'm like, wow, if you were standing next to Chloe, Alexa, what would you tell her to think about to try to bring her game into college to the next level and maybe whatever might aspire for her? Yeah, I think the main thing is to just keep enjoying it. Um, going through, getting into like the older years of playing, it becomes crucial that you're like, enjoying what you're doing if you're going to be really working hard at it and going through college or even me in professional and having to go out every day and put in like the time and the effort you're not going to want to be spending five six hours a day on a practice tee if you're not enjoying it so definitely keeping the fun and the excitement in it um as you get older is important yeah alexa um you know i watched the the short game documentary and and uh, it was pretty interesting how some of the kids were more meant to be there than others. Others were sort of out of their element and you were absolutely in your element. Um, and I think, you know, as you said earlier that, you know, it's crazy to think that you're on the LPGA tour right now, but from, from an outsider's perspective, it sure looks like you are always meant to be there and you, you were, you're on that path and on that trajectory. And like Bob said, you know, he saw that pretty, pretty uh, early in you as well. I mean, there has to be that belief that I'm sure you had all the way that you are heading in that direction, I would think. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely kind of growing up always knew that was where I was heading. Even when I was kind of looking into colleges, I kept an open mind, but in the back of my head, this was always kind of what I wanted to be doing. And especially once I got into competing in more like professional um, events, whether it was on the LPGA tour, the, L um, the Epson, or even going to Japan, it kind of made me want to pursue that more. And so, yeah, growing up, this has always kind of been in my head that this was what I wanted to do or was meant to be doing. What, Alex, let me ask you a question. It's obviously, Augusta National is Augusta National. Purses are up in the LPGA, which is tremendous. 
much needed and long overdue. Mm-hmm. They're, the LPGA is getting to play some really good tracks. This, this being your season out there to to try some of the. Is there a particular couple of golf courses you're looking forward to, or what's a kind of a piggyback on Christian's question? He asked about players to play with. My question is more along the lines: of what what golf courses are you looking forward to playing? Um. Well, the U.S. Women's Open is at Pebble Beach this year, and I've Absolutely. heard that course. I can't wait. Right, to, I can't so. wait to see that exactly. <laughs> um, I'm hoping to be playing in that, and then um, we're also competing at Liberty National this year. Which, growing up in, well, I didn't grow up in Massachusetts, but being from Massachusetts, I've kind of always wanted to play there. There've been junior events there that I've had to miss out on, but I always really wanted to compete in. And so I'm excited to finally get out there. Um, And then we're also playing in Hawaii this year, which I'm really excited for just to go to Hawaii. I don't even know what the course looks like, but I'm sure I'll love it. Um, But yeah, excited for those. And I don't really know many more on the schedule. I'm kind of just playing it by ear, but excited for all of them. I'll tell you what, I've I've been talking to a couple of the other uh, LPGA players. Um, The ladies are actually... I live in just uh, outside of Philadelphia, but uh, I operate a golf course in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. You're going to be in New Jersey, I think, three out of five weeks or so, some oh, crazy, yeah. crazy number like that. Welcome to stop by my golf course that I run. Just throwing it out there, shameless plug. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, Sea View is a phenomenal Donald Ross design for the shop, right? Oh, yeah. And I, um, I played Sea View. I don't know where it's see you but yeah i played like u.s kids events there it's really did you really they just did a seven hundred thousand dollar bunker renovation uh i try to i try to make it down there every year to uh to cover it and it is a phenomenal golf course yeah 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 that's exciting beltrisol also we play there for the KPM, yeah the upper montclair absolutely yeah i think most the northeastern courses i'm excited for because i it's a lot different than where i live in florida and i like the challenge of them and how i don't know they just have a different feel to them so i'm really excited to play those well that's because a bunch i mean there's a bunch of us on this podcast they're all northeast um yeah yeah boston bob (laughs) (laughs) you know it's funny uh you know, so check that check out this segment, Alan. So, uh, Rick, you're, you're, uh, what is it, 35 years Patriot, New England Patriots um, season ticket holder? Going to be 39 this year. Okay, 39. So we know, because we've all, well, many of us have grown up there, there were lean years with the Patriots. They were tough, uh, trudging there. Uh, if you think about all the courses you've catted for, uh, for Alexa, like, just as a it could be a funny thing but was there like one course that was just so brutal you're like this is ridiculous oh easily french lick easy oh yeah okay <laughs> um she lexa seldom misses a fairway that tournament she missed every fairway all right so you're talking i'm walking 70 yards at a 45 degree angle Oh, geez. And finally, I think it's the 15th hole. And I just looked at her and I said, listen, you're killing me. You got to put them all in the fairway. <laughs> I, I felt really bad because I think I remember specifically one par five. I like 
flared it out so far right. He had to walk into this mountain, back up the mountain. And then I hit the fairway split. So one's in a bowl and then there's an upper part of the fairway. But I was just trying to get it out. So I hit it in the bowl. He had to go down and up again in there. Then on the very next tee shot after that par five, it's the fairway is kind of here. And then there's a massive dip here, like one of the biggest ones on the course. I hook it into the dip. We're walking and I... I'm really good at walking. I don't get tired. I walk extremely fast. I'm like first one to the ball always. I was dying. I'm like barely able to breathe. So I'm like my poor dad back there. It must be like dying. And like, I remember you like broke your ankle or some, something I, happened. It took, my ankle swelled up like double. I yeah. twisted it. I felt so bad. And I looked at her and I go, that's it. You're killing me here. Yeah, I felt so bad. It was it was not a good week with the driver. <laughs> I hope you got a better tip that week. Excuse me. I hope you got a better tip that week from your player. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he got to go to the next week. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get fired. That was that was a good one. No, that week wasn't on him. <laughs> That's awesome, Christian. Yeah, I would say just my final question to you is, um, you know, what's like your it, what would make it like a successful season for you? Would it be, you know, obviously a win? Would it be, you know, making X amount of cuts, stuff like that? I guess what would be like a successful season in your eyes? Um, I think last season was successful for me because I accomplished what I wanted to do, like improving every single week that I was out there competing. Um. And I learned so much. So for me, it was successful. And I'd love to accomplish that again this year. But that first professional win would like really make it a good season for me. So yeah, yes, to accomplish the growth and the learning that I went through last year in another rookie season. But I really want that first professional win. So and, and we'll make that happen at Seaview. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> this is the first that I'm hearing that we're playing at Seaview and Baltistral. I really need to look at this schedule. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> Bobby? You know, it's, yeah, it's so neat. Um, you know, it's, it sounds funny, Alexa, geez, to, to say like your career, you're still so young, but every step of the way you have broken new ground and it's really remarkable. And you seem to do it with ease and confidence. And I've watched you and you know, even those years when I was involved with drive ship and putt, and we would see each other, and your dad at Augusta would, you just seemed natural and, and calm there. And um, yet, one more thing, you broke ground, uh, being the first to get sponsored by an NFL team with the New England Patriots. And um, it's okay if you want to spend about twenty minutes on this because we want to talk Patriots, and I'm <laughs> going to turn around and Mac Jones. And I'm sorry, I digress, but uh, I don't know about it. how did how did that all come to fruition um well my dad ended up getting an email when I was at an event in North Carolina um basically just saying that they wanted to sponsor me I'm not even going to try their names because I screwed it, it up said, um, RKK and GHK are on board <laughs> and wish to sponsor her and I spent the next 20 minutes saying who's playing a joke on me you know it's, it's four o'clock in the morning Oh, and I'm looking at this email and everything kept saying patriots.com. So I knew, you know, it was, it was legit. 
but I didn't tell her until after the tournament. Yeah. And um, I mean, even for me, I kind of thought it was real, but I didn't think it was as going to be as nice and as good as it is um, until I kind of went to go visit the Patriots when I was in New England and I spent the day there. Um, and when I got there, it was like the best meeting that I'd had because with anyone, they were just so friendly and like I automatically got along with them. I mean, Andre Tippett walked into the meeting with his Scotty Cameron putter and was just like so friendly and welcoming. And um, most meetings when you're meeting with sponsors or companies, they're really like strict and um, they're telling you what you have to do. And all that the Patriots wanted was for me to win and for them to support me and um, basically just wanted to help me grow with social media or anything that they could and they've been so supportive to me and it's the best first sponsorship I could have had um dream sponsorship and for it to happen so quickly in my career was amazing so would, would you call it a wicked awesome sponsorship <laughs> <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> the wicked has to get in there did so I got to deny right tip and anybody hey, Bob, else Bobby I'm going to say this for Christian because he's gloating a little bit the Patriots can have their golf gloves in their hand because his Eagles are still oh, playing. Oh, oh, <laughs> we're, we're gonna delete that. That's sorry, that's oh, sorry. I know oh. Christian was. I could tell Christian was sitting there waiting for it. Oh. I just, I love. I, I'm from, born and raised in Syracuse. Donovan McNabb was a Syracuse quarterback, obviously when I was a kid, and I loved him. And uh, wherever he got drafted, I followed him. And he got he, when he went to the Eagles, and just been a fan ever since. So. Mm. Yeah. That's that's not that bad. It could be worse. Could be yeah, worse. Not much. They're, they're like <laughs> well, at least I'm not a Cowboys fans. fan. This is so. true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Hey, Lex, Alexa, Rick, we can't thank you enough for joining us. Uh, we would love to stay in touch and have you come back. And um, maybe I'm not the media guy. That's more Alan. But after you get your first professional win, we definitely want to have you on. Um, so we'll keep cheering uh, always for you two and. Uh, for unbelievable success, and uh, you're just really, really great for the game. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, guys. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thank you. All right, Christian, 18th hole. We've had AD making putts. Don't be that guy. Alexa Pano. Um, Patrick Reed. Final thoughts. Uh, yeah. Final thoughts is, uh, just continue please to, um, follow us on all social media, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, you know, we're going to be having a lot of great content come out, um, this, this year, uh, for you guys, a lot of things are going to be changing in a good way, uh, moving forward. Um, I'm excited to, you know, to bring this content to you guys, obviously this year and so forth. And, um, you know, we have a great cast here. Uh, and uh, just going to continue to hopefully brighten you guys' day one day at a time. And uh, Patrick Reed still sucks at golf. That's Andy Heinberg. <laughs> so we talked a little bit about the PGA show, and it, it, it's to, to Bobby's point, it's changed over the years a lot. I mean, the buying cycles of of the club companies and the PGA professionals who are buying, it, it's changed. So the the feel of the show has changed a lot, but I will say this, the micro community of the instruction and teaching world 
is amazing. You know, there's a little neighborhood on the show floor um, that it's just everybody's in that little area. And all of the people that coach, there's all sorts of extra events outside of the show that week. You know, there's there's the uh, the big event that Nick Chertok puts on, um, Coaches Forum, Open Forum, and you know, Mike Adams and Terry Rolls do, do an event. I mean, it's amazing how much the instruction community is so tight knit. Um, Cause there's so much going on in that world right now. And, it, and it's pretty cool to, to be, you know, part of it and a spectator to it at the same time. Bobby. Yeah, I got two thoughts. Uh, Alexa wins this year. That's me. That, love we're going to, I, I see her winning. I really, really do. I think uh, she will. You know, to have the physical tools, but from day one that I met her, it was always a great, amazing mindset. Uh, but I was going to pick up on Andy's thought about the PGA show. If you've never been to the PGA show and you love golf, it's it's worth it just to take it in. Um, that show started in the 1950s in Dunedin, Florida, under a tent with sales reps pulling their cars up and opening their trunks and trying to sell the wares. I mean, you've come a long way, baby. <laughs> um, but it's uh, it's neat to see it uh, back and flourishing. So, um, yeah, if you're love the game of golf and it's it's worth one of the trips, get out of the cold, go to Orlando. And I'm going to add uh, a couple of th- first of all, that's why you're our historian. I'm going to add a couple of thoughts, Mike Armel. We're going to save your stories till next week. The truth is, it is a hard R. And secondly, <laughs> Andy. You- <laughs> You got that one. Say that like a Bostonian. It's a hot eye. And lastly, the high school coaches association was having their meeting right after us at the PGA show. And to our favorite golf coach that was holding Andy's chair at the bar at Miller's, we thank you. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers. You only have one opportunity to sell your golf property. Shouldn't you partner with an expert that offers you 30 plus years of golf industry experience combined with the reach of a global leader in real estate? Collier's International Golf Brokerage and Advisory Services understands your unique business needs. Whether it is brokerage, management, and consulting, be reassured that the market leader in the business of golf is providing you the real answers and practical solutions you deserve. Contact Golf Talk Live co-host and Collier's Golf Advisory Services member, Alan DePew today at 717-554-8519. That's 717-554-8519.